Hey everybody, Zach here. I wanna tell you a quick story about something that happened last week. So I was browsing the internet looking for some adjustable dumbbells to sort of like up my workout from home game. And uh, I was poring over the customer reviews of several different products and found myself at the end of the day leaning towards Bowflex. I even went so far as to place the pair of dumbbells in my shopping cart, but I just couldn't actually pull the trigger on my purchase. Um, I've become increasingly skeptical of product reviews over the last couple of years. Uh, So many of them, in case you don't know, are actually fake or paid reviews. So I ended up sending a text message to some buddies to get their thoughts. After about a day's worth of back and forth texts from folks who had actually used the product, I was finally convinced that Bowflex was the brand that I wanted to go with and I clicked that buy now button. And really this is this silly story is a testament to the power of peer-to-peer marketing, which happens to be the bread and butter of this week's sponsor. Meet Unibuddy, a student engagement platform that helps higher education recruitment, marketing, and admissions professionals attract, engage, and convert prospective students. Unibuddy helps students make one of the most important purchasing decisions of their life, where to go to college. One of the ways that they do this is by giving prospects real-time access to real people at your university. Here's how it works. So you've got a prospective student named Sam, okay? And he is Googling one day and he stumbles upon your school's business major website page. And he starts poking around and, and reading a little bit more about the program offering. After a few seconds, a warm but inviting pop-up form invites Sam to chat with a student ambassador named Dan, who, you guessed it, is currently studying business at your university. After some quick niceties, Sam admits that he's been looking at your school for some time now, but has yet to submit a formal inquiry or start an application. He's been to a couple of virtual recruitment events, but it's been hard to get a feel for what life as a student, especially during these crazy times, is actually like. Dan talks about his love of the entrepreneurship course he's taking, how challenging but rewarding Accounting 101 is, and how impressed he's been with your school's response to the challenges that COVID has thrown everyone's way. After about 15 minutes of chatting with Dan, Sam goes ahead and he books a chat with one of your admissions counselors for next week, and he even goes so far as to create an application account. This experience is so much more powerful than a static chat window or a scripted chatbot. Unibuddy empowers people to make better decisions through shared human experience. Oh, and by the way, this peer-to-peer engagement platform is just one of Unibuddy's unique product offerings. Wait until you see their virtual events platform. This experience is so much more powerful than a static chat window or a scripted chatbot. Unibuddy empowers people to make better decisions through shared human experience. Oh, and by the way, this peer-to-peer engagement platform, it's just one of Unibuddy's product offerings. Wait until you see their virtual events platform. It's absolutely game-changing. I've used it during one of the events that I've presented at, and it is by far my favorite virtual events platform. So don't get stuck in the prospective student's college shopping cart. Make the experience of accessing personalized, peer-to-peer feedback as frictionless as possible. To learn more about Unibuddy and access a plethora of their free resources to help you navigate student recruitment, especially during these uncertain times, head on over to enrollify.org forward slash Unibuddy. That's enrollify.org forward slash Buddy, and we'll ping you directly to Unibuddy's Learning Hub. All right, everyone, enjoy this week's episode.
Hello, everybody, and welcome to the show. Hope you all are doing well this fine Thursday. I am thrilled, quite quite frankly, to finally have the opportunity to talk to this week's guest, who I will introduce in just a moment. Um, I've been a big fan of the company she works for for a long time, and so sitting down and, and getting this opportunity to chat with her is certainly a privilege. And this uh, wonderful guest is none other than Marcy Debozy, who is the Vice President of Marketing at Vidyard. Welcome to the show, Marcy. Uh, thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. Great, great. Well, we're going to talk about all things video, um, but one of the things that I like to do at the offset of this show is ask my guest uh, something, uh, a question that's never been asked on this podcast before, just to keep things a little bit fresh. Um, and so my question for you is, since we're talking about videos and we're talking about sort of the, the power that this that this medium has to drive influence, to uh, encourage students in particular to start applications, complete applications, et cetera. Um, I wanted to ask you a question about movies um, and, and videos. So what what is a show or a movie that you love or at the very least strongly like uh, that is unpopular to like? And w what is it that you like about it? Uh -huh. That's a good one. It's like, you know, making me reveal all right off the top. Um, I, I, there's so many I'm, guilty pleasures that I have, um, but one that I actually thought wasn't unpopular, but turns out is not popular amongst my coworkers that uh, I love is Cobra Kai. I don't uh, know if you have seen the I, new. I have um, not. No, no. Tell me, tell me a little bit about, about what, oh my what gosh. you love about it. It is it's so funny. So uh, it is basically a like present day version of the Karate Kid and the main characters really, really do not take themselves too seriously at all, which is what I love about it. It is based almost entirely on self-deprecating humor of both the show and the characters themselves, which, you know, from my perspective, self-deprecating humor is a close maybe close first for true sarcasm as the, the highest point of humor, really. <laughs> well, that's fantastic. I, I will have to add it to my to-watch list. Um, you just need to go in open-minded because it is kind of terrible. Okay, but, you okay. Know, very fun, too. Noted, <laughs> noted. Um, okay, so I, I want to give you the opportunity to share a little bit more about who you are and what your role at Vidyard is, um, you know, what it actually looks like. And the way I like to get guests to sort of answer this question is to propose this scenario to them, which is that you're, you know, you're uh, at the airport, you're stuck in a shuttle bus, you're on your way to, you know, Terminal B, um, and the guy sitting next to you asks what you do for a living. And he's not, you know, he doesn't want your entire life story, but he's not going to let you get away with, I lead marketing for a video marketing technology company either. So how do you explain to him who you are and what you do? All right. Um, okay. So uh, I would say um, I I do marketing. I do lead marketing at high growth tech companies and I have done so my entire career, actually, sort of working my way through all the different aspects of marketing. Uh, currently, I run marketing at a company that is really focused on making it super easy to add video and video content into emails, into sales outreach, onto your website, and really anywhere that you need that video to be. 
And the reason why this is so important, especially today, and why I love doing it is because video does such a great job of getting and keeping people's attention. Very well said. And I'm curious, what uh, can you just share a little bit more about what you did uh, previous to Vidyard? And um, you could talk about companies that you worked for and or just sort of like what roles you specifically had that sort of prepped you to, to land this gig? Yeah, for sure. Uh, so I initially started my career actually in product management in a, in a tech company um, and love that. I love product management and everything associated with it. But from there, moved my way more into the messaging side, sort of marketing communications, and then eventually into product marketing. Uh, I spent many years at BlackBerry also running uh, their segment marketing, which is a great mix of product marketing and sort of program marketing together. Um, it's a really unique skill set. Um, and from BlackBerry, I moved on to D2L, who some of you may actually know because they're a very um, large provider of uh, higher ed and K-12 LMSs, uh, yeah. where I ran the product marketing function there as well. Wow. Wow. That's, that's quite the uh, diverse set of experiences, which is, which is really, really cool. What, um, as, as a marketer, so, you know, one of the things I like to, I don't always get to talk to, to fellow marketers on this, on this podcast, we interview people from, um, you know, all, uh, from, from a variety of contexts, but I'm curious out of the different hats that you've worn, um, which one is your favorite? Like, do you, like, what is it? Do you really love product marketing? Or if, I guess another way of phrasing this question is if you had to explain the type of marketer that you are, um, what would be the first thing that you'd share with somebody? Yeah, it's funny. Cause I actually asked that of people during, um, job interviews is sort of, I frame it up as in, um, you know, we all do our job, but we all tend to do more of the thing that we actually really love doing. Yeah. Um, and for me, I think it, I think it is the the program marketing. So not straight demand gen, which can be a little bit, uh, you know, numbers based. And I, I prefer more what what we call a segment marketing, which is this mix of product marketing and demand gen together, where you're very focused on the persona as well as the programmatic aspects of reaching that persona. Yeah. Yeah, no, that, that's super interesting. And I think like one of the things um, that I th that marketers sort of uh, can can struggle with or an obstacle that they can hit as they sort of progress in their in their career is not being like boxed in as like just mm -hmm. the product marketing person or hey, I'm just sort of the B2B SaaS marketer or, you know, in my case, I'm just the the enrollment marketer, the, the higher ed marketer. And so it's interesting sort of to uh, from I, I'd be you know curious to just learn even more uh, at a later point just about various lessons learned in these roles and um, how you've seen sort of like silos maybe uh, you know created and or and or broken down um, between sort of specific uh, uh, marketing roles and marketing focuses because I think that um, you know especially as as a young professional you don't you don't want to pigeon to, to pigeonhole yourself and yet um, you know a lot of the times I feel like when you're in sort of a, a growth marketing role in particular, you, you know, marketing, uh, marketing in one company can look very, very different than marketing in another company. And the roles and responsibilities can be very inconsistent and very different as well. Um, because marketing, quite frankly, can mean a lot of different things to a lot of different people, depending on the industry and or the company that you find yourself in. Yeah, absolutely. And for, I mean, this, this, I get this, I get asked this probably once every four months, um, but for what it's worth, I'm, I'm a huge proponent of the generalist, the marketing generalist versus the specialist, especially early in career. I think that 
personally from my own background and from those people that I've seen grow um, around me, the ability to understand how that whole journey and funnel work together and where the, you know, where you really need to be placing emphasis to speed things up or move them around the way you need to comes from that, that wider experience, the, the more generalist experience. Yeah. Yeah. No, that makes a ton of sense. And even from the the people that I've had the privilege of collaborating with, the folks who can see sort of uh, a holistic picture and really the folks that really understand sort of like consumer behavior and really understand mm. how people think and can adjust strategy because strategies and tactics will forever change. Um, but the folks that can really, that really obsess over sort of like, okay, what does it mean to deliver a successful customer experience in our context? What does it really mean to deliver a successful student experience um, are, are generally the marketers that I feel like uh, I actually believe in and buy into sort of their, their ideas and strategies um, consistently simply because I feel like they're focused on the core, uh, the core asset, if you will, which is giving and, and sort of presenting a delightful student experience. Um, mm-hmm. So I want to talk, we're, we're obviously going to talk about video and really the role that it plays in marketing and specifically how it can be leveraged as more than just an asset for brand awareness. So just to give you a little bit of context, uh, a little bit more context, Marcy. A lot of the folks listening to today's episode are working in either marketing and, and communications uh, at an educational institution and or they're working in enrollment management. So, in, you know, an admissions office. And mm-hmm. more often than not, folks are coming in um, and when they, you know, video is something that is is being adopted, especially by marketing and communications teams. Um, it's less thought of as sort of a, a tool that uh, admissions people, which you know, are, are sort of the, the salespeople, if you will, of, of the institution or of the program. It's less of a tool that they've sort of incorporated into their, into their tool, uh, into their toolkit, into their marketing mix. And a big reason for that is it's seen primarily as like something to promote brand awareness generally, which, you know, video certainly can be, and, and is, it's a great tool for that. Um, and today I'm, I'm interested in sort of your thoughts on how video can go beyond just being a tool and, and just being an asset for brand awareness. But before we go any further, I do want to give you the opportunity to talk a little bit about what Vidyard actually is for folks who might not be familiar with you all and, and your platform. For sure. Yeah. And definitely we can get back there. I've got some um, great examples that come to mind of, um, admissions, um, portions of the university actually using video for recruitment um, and helping speed up that process. So we can get into that a little bit later, but to, to just give you a bit of a flavor for, for Vidyard, who we are and what we do, um, we're really focused, Vidyard is really focused on changing how organizations in general uh, make and keep connections with their audiences through, through creating really engaging and measurable and measurable is very important video experiences. And so we do this uh, by which, you know, I sort of got into with a guy on the airplane airport shuttle already, but we do this by making it really, really easy to use video content in your emails, on your website, through any form of outbound communication, and then being able to track the engagement with that video content, who's viewed, how much have they viewed, um, where did they view it, and being able to pull all that data, all that um, engagement data back into your tech stack so it can contribute to your lead scoring um, or other parts of, you know, what other sort of KPIs you've got associated with the programs. 
Um, and when I say video, it's important to keep in mind that that I am talking about um, you know th- those brand to those marketing communications type videos that you mentioned. Absolutely, you know, that, that that plays a big role here um, in terms of more highly produced, um, more top of funnel aware oriented videos, but I'm also talking about user-generated content as well. So uh, you can very very easily with Vidyard go in and create your own video, either of a screen recording or of you and a screen recording or just you um, and uh, share that out in the same ways that you would a a, a larger scale or more produced video and be able to track the efficacy of who's watching and engaging with that content as well. Thank you for that context. I'd love to hear your thoughts and or stories around how you've seen, uh, particularly schools. Um, but again, you can pour, you can uh, pull in sort of other uh, customer examples here as as appropriate of how how schools have used um, Vidyard specifically for sort of admissions. Um, and I'm as a as a follow up question to that too. I love I just love your thoughts for how have you seen folks successfully folks who are, again, new to incorporating video into their marketing mix? What kinds of video are they incorporating to what aspects um, of their marketing mix? When is it appropriate to use more of a, a you know, brand video versus a one to one communication? Um, if you could just give us sort of a one on one on how you all are success, you all are seeing your your customers successfully include video into their marketing mix to again, uh, reach their reach their goals. Um, and then we can go from there. Yeah, sure. So I mean, uh- with as with any form of uh, communication or content, you really need to start with your strategy and what you're hoping to achieve. So, as you mentioned, uh, things that you're more likely to use top of funnel or really early um, stage marketing could be that brand level video, something that's highly produced and something that's a little bit uh, more broadly appealing. Um, and then you want to think about which channels are also more broadly appealing in order to make sure that the right people are interacting with that content. So, you know, for something that's top of funnel and brand, you probably want to be looking at your website or social media or things that have that really wide reach, where as you start to move down the funnel and you um, are starting to focus on folks that are a little bit more high intent or even more higher value because they're they're that much closer to um, closing, you could start to be thinking about um, things like FAQ videos. And these, again, could be generic uh, videos that are created once and shared with, with in a one-to-many format or even one-to-one. You could have a library of FAQ-type video content um, that you can share out individually as needed. And then when you, you get right down towards the bottom of the funnel, for those people who are very high value, uh, we've got lots Lots of examples of our customers using very, very personalized videos where, you know, I might go do some research on you, look up on your social media and see that you've got, you know, I don't know, a German shepherd and really into your German shepherd. And so I'm going to create you a personalized video or a selfie video of me holding something to do with a German shepherd and speaking directly to you and putting that thumbnail in my outreach, which was probably going to be a one-to-one email that is going to get your attention. You're going to realize that it's relevant and personal because it's got this dog in your name in it um, so that you are more likely to open it, interact with it and take the time to listen because you see that um, there's somebody personally reaching out to you on on a topic um, that is relevant for you. And I'm just uh, that that's um, you know that's amazing, and I think that that's sort of like the ideal, right? If like 
if an admissions counselor could personalize the journey to enrollment down to sort of like the individual prospective student and conduct that sort of research for everyone in their inquiry pool, I think like uh, that would be that would be amazing. And if, if the resources allowed for that, that would that is that is sort of like preferred and ideal. How, I'm just curious, how have you guys um, worked with with clients um, and schools to help sort of make that process a little bit more automated. Like I, if I'm an enrollment marketer listening to this right now and I'm thinking, okay, cool. I believe in sort of the power of video. I believe in the power specifically of personalized video, but how do you do that at scale? Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, again, I think it starts at the top of the funnel. So if you have um, the ability to integrate any of this viewer data back into your marketing stack and be able to associate those folks who you've already built out and understand the persona that you built out and understand are more likely to convert or in this case to become an um, enrolled student, um, you can better, for example, lead score against that. So if I know that I'm targeting someone who fits your persona and you've watched my video, then I'm going to give you more uh, score in my lead score process and move you, move you down the funnel faster. Um, And we have, um, you can either do that with, like, you know, sort of the broad-based videos that I was talking about initially, or we also have a product which is called Personalized Video, which is personalized video at scale. Um, and what that we we actually have a lot of admissions departments um, throughout North America using this technology, where you create a video that has personalizable points within it, hmm. so things like. Um, printed names or images in the background. Uh, so we've got who will do things like they'll show a dorm room with a poster of your hometown listed on on in the background so that you know it's making, becoming personalized to you or the um, the program that you have uh, applied to get into or even the campus that you've applied to like all of these sorts of points of personalization can appear in the video um, to make it really sort of a more personal experience for you as the viewer and again taking all that engagement data and funneling it back into your uh, CRM or your marketing automation platform to be able to create that next step that's appropriate. Um, and as you get further down, um, you, you start to realize or understand um, who are the higher value, the most likely to convert and be able to, to do those either on a one-to-one, which is you know the, the German Shepherd example, or something a little bit less personalized where it could be a generic video that's already been created, but being sent out, um, you know, to hundreds of people via email, via your own email, really. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's super interesting. And you've, you've, you've said this a few times now. And I think that this is this is really important for our listeners to understand is that, you know, folks tend to spend the this, the colleges, and universities that do spend a fair amount of uh, their budget on creating video, uh, do so they might use that video within the context of like a social campaign or some brand awareness campaign. And then they sort of like throw the video on their website and then like, forget about it. Um, and it's like, it becomes this nice thing to have. It's like a nice to have. And, oh yeah, you might like send a link to the video and uh, into, uh, you know, in, in the context of an email that you're sending to an, an applicant, et cetera. But thinking about it in terms of like a way to sort of like understand at a micro level who in your funnel is most qualified and or is most interested I, you know is is a new way of sort of thinking about the value of video and it, higher ed in particular is really good under, at understanding sort of like okay 
who are the people sort of moving through the communication flow in sort of like the linear, more traditional fashion. And you can understand, oh, hey, if the people are clicking, you know, if these contacts are clicking on this email and they're viewing the application page, that's a good indicator that they're interested. Um, but mm -hmm. another sort of like really powerful indicator um, that I hear you saying, Marcy, is that there could be folks that aren't responding to your emails and or maybe they're opening, but they're not clicking with the emails clicking onto your emails. Um, but if you know that that same individual is viewing student stories and alumni testimonials on your website, that should be an indicator um, that, hey, maybe they're not communicating, they're not um, uh, responding in the traditional fashion in this, uh, in this particular context, but it doesn't mean that they're not engaged. They're just engaging with a different type of content in a different format. Um, and if you have a tool like Vidyard, or if you're, uh, if you've adopted this methodology of video being more than just a brand awareness tool, um, that insight can be incredibly powerful, uh, to equip your admissions teams with. Yeah. I mean, I think it's, it's, we all know that as consumers of anything, we're all a lot more self-served than we ever have been before, right? Like for yeah. the most part, we all want to go on demand, answer the questions that we have when we want to have them answered, right? And video is just such a fantastic way of doing that because, you know, it, it's personal um, just in the very nature of the, you know, being able to see other humans on screen. Um, and then and the, the ability to also explain more complex or nuanced um, content or um, information via video is much easier than it is through any other mechanism. So it also fits really nicely into that self-serve sort of friction-free world that we're all trying to make our purchases and our buying decisions in today. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, one of the things that, um, that I'm remembering from or that when I was preparing for this interview, I remembered that Brian Halligan, who's the CEO and uh, co-founder of, of HubSpot said at, at an inbound conference, I can't remember if it was the, if it was the one in 2019 or I, I don't remember what inbound conference it was, but basically he, uh, he mentioned that at least 50% of your content and he was speaking to like, you know, marketers uh, generally mm -hmm. here, but at least 50% of your content should be video. And he encouraged, and this is what I thought was like particularly bold and interesting. Um, and I want your thoughts on, um, and he encouraged companies to stop hiring bloggers and start hiring producers. And I think what's funny about like higher ed as an industry is that we're always like a few years behind everyone else. Um, and so even the idea of like hiring people to come in and write who understood SEO, who understands sort of like the importance of good content strategy, that's something that's like just uh, becoming a little bit more popular and a little bit more like mainstream in education, specifically like in enrollment marketing teams. Um, and so the idea of like bringing in somebody who's a, you know, uh, has the, has something, uh, has a title that is, uh, loosely akin at least to like producer, I think is just absolutely mm -hmm. fascinating. Um, but I just like, I, I guess I'd love your thoughts here, Marcy on, you know, how do people practically do this? Um, you know, what role does video play in like SEO strategy? Just like if you're, if you were a VP of marketing, sort of like leading uh, a team or teams within the context of a college and university with the goal of recruiting students, how would you think about sort of what roles you'd hire for and or specifically what, what marketing strategies and tactics you'd implement? Yeah, for sure. That's a big question. <laughs> um, where, where to start? Um, 
so I, th- I think a lot has uh, changed. Well, I know a lot has changed, especially over the last year with uh, the move to remote work and distance learning and other things um, that the global pandemic has, you know, created for us. Um, but one of those things is really because everyone is grounded and everyone has become remote is this massive, massive increase in the one-to-one video communication. So we've touched on that a little bit already. So this is no, this isn't the large brand video on your website, which of course plays a role as we talked about, but it is this user generated content that has really taken off in the last year. It's just, it's just, you know, the, the amount of inbound requests we get um, for this type of technology year over year is just, it's just crazy. Um, So and the reason being because it's it's easy to do, right? We've moved past this period of time where all video content has to be highly produced and very expensive and you need to work with an agency and it's going to take, you know, two quarters to get there. We've come to this point where people are okay with and in fact actually appreciate the authenticity associated with these one-to-one user-generated videos. That has never been the case before. So Brian Halligan is absolutely right that um, video is here to stay and probably even more so now because of it coming down market that in, in what we've seen over the last year. Yeah. Sorry, keep so, going. Yeah. yeah, sorry. So in terms of uh, where and how to use it, I would think about it full funnel. I would think again about strategically what it is I'm hoping to achieve um, at each stage and make sure that I'm creating the appropriate video content for that stage. Um, the, the nice thing um, about video, in addition to all what we've already talked about, if you think about it from a discoverability perspective, yeah. you've got straight Google search and you've got YouTube, right? So you're, you're already like increasing your times at bat by having a video, um, being using a video on your website because it's going to show up in basically two searches right there. Um, one of the one of the te- techniques that we highly recommend is actually using a platform like Vidyard on your website to host your videos in conjunction with um, posting your videos on YouTube as well. So not only does it increase the discoverability um, where your students are, where your target market is, which is on YouTube largely, but it can also uh, increase the referred traffic back to your website. Um, from YouTube. So you're increasing your times at bat and you're also increasing the traffic back to your your own website, which is only going to help other SEO in terms of um, performance and, you know, domain authority and the backlinks that you've got coming in from elsewhere. So it's, it's nice that it plays in both of those two platforms. Yeah. Yeah. No. And, you know, as you're talking to you, I'm just thinking about like the power of splicing video into content that uh on your website that you want to rank well so you know mm-hmm. one of uh, one of obviously sort of the uh seo indicators uh that google looks at cl- most closely is sort of like the amount of time a user spends on the page right time spent mm-hmm. on page time spent on on a domain and so if you can splice in video content into like your program pages or your majors pages uh pages that you ideally would want to to rank well um, you know, in theory, people that are going to watch that video, they're, they're spending more time if they're going to hit play on that video than they would be if they're just skimming through the page and then going to the next one. So I feel like video also just being hosted on your site, in addition to sort of like the referral traffic, in addition to sort of like the analytics that you'll be able to generate by using a platform like a Vidyard, uh, it also is just a very easy way to help increase time spent on page, which is very important for your SEO. 
Yeah, absolutely. And then in addition to that, uh, doing a good job around transcripts and making sure that ah, you've yeah. got, you know, your video sitemap up to date just gives Google more text to be crawling as well, right? So there's there's more information there available for Google beyond what the, the written word is on the page. So I want to transition now and just uh, get into any stories you might be able to share of either schools that have effectively used uh the methodology that Vidyard um, subscribes to and or, you know, the, the platform itself, um, any sort of just case studies or stories you could share with us um, that might be relevant to our listeners today? Sure. So one of the big use cases, and this this is really a horizontal use case, um, is in that initial, that, that one time one outreach. Um, one of our partners and customers is a company called SalesLoft, and they do um, email, sales email cadences for, for salespeople, basically sales teams. Um, and they, um, they, every year they do a huge analysis over all of the emails that have been sent out through their platform and what works best and, you know, what's performing well and how long your, your subject line should be, et cetera, et cetera. But in their most recent uh, research where they analyzed over 134 million emails, they found that those that include video increased the reply rates by 25 percent wow so that's huge if you think about the amount of outreach uh, an individual uh, rep or business development or student success coach or whatever you know they're called it's all very similar roles but sort of on a horizontal basis across industries what could that could mean for them even it even in those one-to-one um, emails that they're personalizing or in the generic ones that they're still sending out um, from their own email accounts. That's massive. Um, so we have, we do have lots of uh, schools, like I had mentioned before, who in their admissions departments, when they're a bit more specialized, so business schools or uh, medical schools or graduate schools where they, where they have the uh, high value and they can do more of a one-to-one are using this type of video content to make sure that they're moving people through the appropriate stages and answering their questions um, on a regular basis. And then we also have a lot of admissions um, departments using this personalized video that I talked about uh, initially um, to sort of expand the reach right at the very top and make the whole admissions process very personal and exciting for the targeted students. Um, another thing that we uh, see a lot of our customers doing is taking, so in the case where you've got like a large brand video, like which is more broader appeal to um, this larger audience is taking sort of short snippets of those and um, using them in a much more targeted fashion across social media to hit the appropriate audience and increase that discoverability to drive those folks back to the website to have the full viewing and educational experience available there. So really video is being used across all stages um, of the funnel um, and and largely in the admissions department for um, higher education institutions. Yeah, no, I love those examples. And I think that um, especially when it comes to programs or schools that are 
recruiting for niche programs um, mm -hmm. where, you know, their, their app goals are not necessarily, or their enrollment goals are not necessarily hundreds or thousands, but, you know, 20, 30, 50, whatever it might be, especially, I mean, if, if this is a master's program that's a little bit more exclusive, um, and you want to increase sort of the quality of your app pool so you can be more selective with who you enroll. I think that this sort of one-to-one -one approach is especially important. Um, anything that you can do to, to help show sort of like custom time, attention, personalization being, being spent. It, you know, people might expect this now from sort of like the big brands of the world, right? Um, you might expect this from SaaS company, you know, the big SaaS companies like a HubSpot or a Salesforce that's trying to reach out to you and, and get your business. Um, but it, you know, the expectation that a school, that especially an admissions department, would do something like this is still so novel that I feel like it's quite easy for the enrollment marketers out there that want to incorporate this into their mix to start doing now and to get noticed and really just sort of get, you know, commended for in a sense because there's just like a dearth of these strategies being like put into practice specifically for the purposes of student recruitment right now. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And especially in a highly competitive world where you really do need to make sure that you're standing out and that the recipient is hearing your message, right? It's even, it's even more important to make sure that, that you've got something that's personal and relevant and is going, is going to really break through. Well, I've got a, a couple of final questions for you, Marcy. And one of them is just around like sort of like reporting on the ROI of videos. So we've touched on this a little bit with sort of like, hey, you know, being able to track and understand how users are engaging with that content can uh, be indicators of sort of their level of interest in your program um, or, you know, your, your institution's offerings. But I'm just curious, you know, video is still obviously like a big, even you doing one-to-one, -one, right, um, easier in terms of sort of like doesn't cost as much, but it's still, you know, time intensive. And, and many people might think about it as taking longer than it takes to, to write an email, especially if you're not comfortable with, with that format. Um, but then beyond even the one-to-one -one format, just getting any sort of video uh, production happening, even if it's not sort of like Netflix caliber, um, it is just a, a, it still does require a lot of time, a lot of resources, a lot of money. Um, and then you throw on top of that sort of like a platform to help you use all of this. It's, it's, it's a bit of investment. So talk to us about like how you guys think about communicating like, uh, ROI to your, to your customers. Like what are some of the, the KPIs that you all encourage folks who want to adopt uh, Vidyard want to adopt this particular methodology. How do you, I guess, help equip them with the tools and resources, uh, frameworks that they need to to justify this investment to their leadership? Yeah, for sure. So I think um, the the two ways that I like to look at this are coming back to, you know, the the highly produced, the one that you were talking about that is takes a little bit more time, and you maybe you're working with an agency and you've got to invest some resources up front. Um, the, the thing to remember about that type of video content is that it's actually, if, if utilized effectively, is really an evergreen lead generation tool for you. It isn't just like a once on your website and done. You have the ability with a platform like Vidyard to add call to actions right into the video content so that you can be capturing leads um, or and or creating next steps for the viewers of those videos videos right from the video content itself. We've got customers who will do like a choose your own adventure type video content story where, you know, you hit a point in the video and you 
select a path basically. And then depending on what you select, you have a completely different experience than someone who has selected a different path. And all of that information is all trackable. And so if you've got um, MR tech stack that includes a marketing automation platform and a CRM, you can funnel all of that uh, engagement um, information data back into any, any sort of um, reporting that you're doing, what, 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 you know, whether you're doing lead scoring, as we talked about, or whether you're using um, an attribution model to understand where you're generating the majority of your business from, all of that information for those that top of funnel type um, video can be funneled right back in and then actioned as a result. Um, and then if you're moving down funnel into the more one-to-one type video content, it it becomes, I mean, you can also track that information back into your CRM as well, but it's a little bit more instantaneous in terms of looking at that increase in reply rates and open rates and, you know, the velocity of the deal itself, how much faster it is to close when you're using uh, video versus trying to book a time and then find a time that works for everyone and then get on the call together and spend, you know, 20 minutes discussing things that really could have been handled via a video probably. Um, So it depends what you're measuring, whether it's the beginning of the funnel where you have that ability to pull all that information back into your systems and sort of build smarter programs to continue targeting or whether it's in that more instantaneous um, one-to-one type activity. Yeah. And I think too, just to, to piggyback on all of that, you know, one of the things schools are really good at doing is sort of going to leadership and saying, Hey, here are opens and click through rates, uh, in our, uh, program specific, uh, communication flows, right? So like we can, people know, Hey, if I get a thousand leads to enter into my MBA program, you know, inquiry comm flow, you know, I can expect a hundred of them to, uh, you know, formally inquire and then, you know, 20 of them to actually apply and we'll accept 10 or something like that. Right. Um, and they, they know those numbers really, really well. And so they, then they just reverse engineer, okay, if we bring in 10 students and, you know, each student's paying $50,000, you know, on, on average per program, right? We now know what amount of money we can spend at the top of the funnel to get those leads. And folks get that very, very well. And most, most institutions, most program coordinators, um, most VPs of, of enrollment management have, a, have context and understanding for how that math works. Where mm-hmm. I think there's huge opportunity is like, okay, how do you do the same thing for your video content? So like, how do you go about measuring influence and interaction that a inquiry had with your video content along their journey to enrollment? Um, what were the folks that sort of like skipped the formal inquiry conflow altogether? And right after watching that video chose their own adventure, as you said, and ended up sort of applying um, from the video or, or scheduling a chat with an admissions counselor from the video um, and again skipped sort of the traditional more linear comm flow and I think that there's a lot of room um, for enrollment marketers to adopt systems and processes um, and really sort of like frameworks for how to think about the uh, video in terms of influence in the same way that they think about communication flows in terms of influence over who decides to apply and ultimately enroll. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Well, my final question for you, Marcy, is just around uh, Marcy's unfiltered thoughts around what marketing will look like in the next five or so years, um, and specifically what role you think video will will play um, in, in a year like 2025. Like we're in 2025 now, let's just fast forward there. What does it mean to market 
um, and specifically to to recruit students in in um, just a few years from now. Uh, yeah, I mean that, that that question is so much more difficult to answer today than it would have been a year and a half ago, probably. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, that said, I, I think I really do think the world is we're we're just in the middle of a massive disruption right now, um, technology disruption that I don't think happens very often. Um, and there's going to be all sorts of things that come out of that, that we are, it's probably still too early to even be thinking about, but we do know that, um, people are all, not all, but many, many of us are working remotely. Um, there's a lot of higher education in K to 12 that is now being delivered via distance learning, or at least a pretty solid backup plan to be able to revert to distance learning if needed. Yeah. Um, we know that people are not traveling to in-person events of any kind, networking or others, um, or even like one-to-one type meetings. Those, those are just almost gone from um, for this year, maybe probably into next year as well. And so as a result, I think that people are really missing that human social connection and the interactions that come from those. I know that um, our sales team, who tend to be quite extroverted, are really missing the interactions they, they would get on a show floor of going to any kind of conference and yeah. just making those, those, you know, those actual personal human connections. Um, and video really is, right, the next best way to making those connections. It's the next best thing to being there in person. Um, there's lots of evidence that shows that um, seeing a, another human face on camera has very, very similar effects to seeing one in person. So, you know, like if I smile, you smile, it's a contagious, it's a, it's a really interesting phenomenon. So I, I think that um, as this world continues to sort itself out over the next few years, that video as a predominant form of communication is, is really here to stay. Like, I think when we all moved to work remote and distance learning became more um, predominant, we took a lot of the tools that we had been using in, um, in an office, in, a, in an in-person setting and tried to make them work in a remote world. Um, Zoom comes to mind, for example. Like, I don't think Zoom was really designed to be on 24 yeah. hours a day, seven days a week, right? Like, it definitely serves a purpose, but I think we realized that there's probably other things that we could be doing to reduce the number of Zoom hours we spend. And perhaps these sort of asynchronous videos um, or being able to create a video recap or even a really strong document and sending it in advance of a meeting is a way of doing that. Um, so I guess long story short, I think that video is here to stay and is going to be part of pretty much all marketing and sales outreach moving forward because it serves a purpose that we didn't know we had until now. Very, very well said. Um, Marcy, I appreciate your time. I appreciate your ideas, your um, the work that you do at Vidyard, and thank you for sort of uh, continuing to champion this cause uh, within your organization and share your thought leadership, your um your stories with us. Really appreciate your time. If folks want to stay in touch with you and or just learn more about Vidyard um, and see whether or not Ural's products are a good fit for their needs, what's the best way for them to get in touch with you? Uh, if they want to reach out on LinkedIn, uh, Marcy Debosi on LinkedIn, just make a connection there and I'd love, I'd love to chat. That would be amazing. Fantastic. Well, thank you so much for your time, Marcy. We really appreciate it and hope to continue to chat with you at a later point as well. All right. Thank you so much. If you are an enrollment marketer working in marketing and communications or enrollment management, 
and would be willing to be interviewed on the podcast. Or if you have an idea for a topic that you'd like to hear covered on the podcast, please reach out directly to me at Zach, Z-A-C-H, at Enrollify.org. We sincerely look forward to working with you to make Enrollify the most trusted, go-to, digital resource for enrollment marketers out there.